Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. On this show, we share Ginger's journey and speak with subject matter experts about a variety of dementia-related topics. Ginger, a former English teacher and librarian, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2019. This diagnosis has changed her world and has given her a unique perspective on life and living. I'm Christoph, Ginger's son and full-time caregiver. I've created this podcast as a way to share the best practices I'm learning about caring for a person with dementia. Along the way, we'll document my mother's journey through her unique storytelling. You can subscribe to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast and find all the resources we discuss at lwalz.com. On today's episode, Ginger and I chat about creating a podcast, personal appearance, and the nature of cats. Okay. Hi, Mom. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. So I am trying to do a recording of a conversation of ours. Okay. So that we can listen back sometime or share it with friends and family. I even had an idea about maybe doing a podcast. What does that mean? That's kind of like um, an online radio show almost. So if it was a podcast, other people would be able to listen to the conversation. Would they be able to step in? No, um, but we could have conversations with other people as part of the podcast, we could call up somebody or now that we're vaccinated, we could have somebody over and have a conversation where everybody's recorded. Mm-hmm. It's all depending on what you're interested in. Do, do pictures come with us? <laughs> there aren't pictures for podcasts. That's a good question. But you can do a blog and write something and put some pictures with it that would relate to that podcast episode. Well, I'm just thinking because it's within my, I can see it happening. Um, and that is our two cats, which are, have joined us, whether we wanted them or not. <laughs> and uh, now the one is washing the other. Yep. And I'm like, what are they thinking? They don't care if they hear from us or not it's like they're helping each other which yeah. is quite nice i think the cats really don't care about the humans at this point right. and probably they're... not until it's eating time again <laughs> yeah and then they'll care very much about us <laughs> right so you remember their names um well one of them is socks yeah i don't know the others sunset Sunset. Yeah. So you've got, isn't one of them then sunrise? (laughs) Sunrise and sunset. Almost seems like that should be the way. But the girl who raised them as kittens when they were first rescued in Kansas City uh, is nine. And she thought that they looked the color of the sunset. Ah. But the other sister, because they're sisters, has white paws. And oh. so she called her.
her socks. <laughs> yeah. So socks and sunset. Socks and sunset. Is what Ava Lee named them. And in honor of Ava Lee, we have kept the names the same. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because she did a good job raising them. Yeah, they seem to be. Until they came up here to us in Michigan. Yeah, and they are fairly well behaved. (laughs) Depending on the time of day. (laughs) Uh And depending on what there is to chew or knock over. Right. Because they are still kittens. They are... Not quite a year old. They'll be a year old in August. So a couple months. So they're about 10 months old right now. And they definitely have kitten behavior a lot of the time. Well, right now I'm seeing that they are taking turns washing each other. Yeah, I think that's a common thing with cats. Yeah, especially when they're related. Well, probably, yeah. Right. So... So you should probably say what your name is. Ginger. Okay. What's your full name if you throw in your middle name and your maiden name and the whole kitten oh, caboodle? My word. My Then my name is Virginia Ann Toonstra. Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. something. That's the... It's the one with all the S's in it. Ginger Sisson. There you go. You just said Sisson. Right. Yeah. Ginger Sisson. And so the whole thing, Virginia and Toonstra Sisson, is that where you were going? I guess so. Okay. I hope I never have to say that for the sake of recording. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we just did. For the sake of recording. We just recorded it. So, well, usually if I'm speaking somewhere, I'm I am not hesitant about what I'm talking about. I've oh. already figured that out. Right ahead and of time. Ahead of time, I know what they are expecting, and so here we go. Yeah. You know, and so this conversation is much more open-ended. Yes. With an unknown topic or whatever. Right. Yeah. Agreed. So. Do you know uh, what your condition is, your medical condition? My condition? Yeah. Why we... I'm healthy. Yeah, well, you are healthy. That's that's the truth. Pretty spry and feisty at the age of... How old are you now? Well, I've spent the, almost all of the last year thinking that I had turned 73. Right. Until finally, the little math teacher walked up to me and said, I don't know what you were using as a measurement, but you're not right. doing it correctly. Yeah. And so then she let me know that I was 79. Yes, 79. Oh, my gosh. I said, please don't tell me anymore about the, the rightness of an answer in mathematics. <laughs> I said, sometimes they really matter. <laughs> Well, I guess whether you're 73 or you're 79 probably doesn't matter a ton. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But when you've gone to the doctor called a neurologist, what, what was the neurologist looking at for your 
your brain condition? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Do you remember Alzheimer's? Yes. Okay. But I don't know what it looks like. Oh, I don't know what it looks like either, except that it's something with the brain that makes it difficult for you to remember things. So things you used to remember quite easily aren't so easy to remember anymore. And that'll continually probably get worse. That's what we that's what we hear. <clears throat> so you're taking a medication to help the brain chemistry so that your brain can work as efficiently as possible. But right now, there's not any known cure for Alzheimer's or even a... There's one new uh, drug that just became announced, uh, FDA approved a few days ago, but there's even controversy around that. And it's... Mm. So I messaged your neurologist and asked about the new treatment and the answer I got back was skeptical. Mm. So, so anyway, right now we don't know of any cure. And so we're just doing as best we can day to day. Mm. Right. And which it, as far as I'm concerned, knowing I have a disease um, and having that laid out to me is helpful because otherwise I'm making choices that seem good ones mm-hmm. and maybe they're not. Right. So that's kind of where I come in, right? Right. To help take care of you. So do you remember that story? Um, when you decided to do that? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I do. Okay. Do you want to tell any of it? Well, it was just simply that you understood what the problem was and how old I was Mm -hmm. and decided that because you also were at that time buying and selling houses, um, it made sense to you to move back to the home I had been in for a while and take care of the female, myself, Mm -hmm. that has lived in it. So it's in familiar space Mm -hmm. with people I know pretty much. Yep. Um, And I don't have to get my own groceries I can go along with somebody who is, so right. that I still feel fairly mm, worthwhile. Mm-hmm. We have to do that today, in fact, yeah. go shopping. Yeah. So does that answer your question? Uh-huh, yep. So last year, you and Dad went to assisted living in February, just before the pandemic became a serious thing in the United States. Mm-hmm. And then in the summer, um, Celeste and John Paul, my brother and sister, I guess we should say what my name is. 
Yeah, I kind of think so. Okay. So my name, you know, my friends and most of my former colleagues know me as Christoph. Yes, and that took me a little while to remember that part of it because to us, you've been Chris. Right. So, so if you call me Chris, that's fine. Okay. I might continue to con- you know, say my name is Christoph to people because <laughs> I've gotten used to it over all the years. That's fine. So anyway, they were, Celeste and JP were uh, working on getting the house ready for sale because you were in assisted living and it looked like that was working out. And, um, and then dad got sick. Mm-hmm. His cancer came back and we said, whoa, let's not sell the house. Let's figure out what's going on. And then shortly after that, dad passed away. Mm-hmm. And then you were in assisted living by yourself dealing with Alzheimer's and the pandemic and feeling pretty lonely, lonely, yeah, isolated. And so that's when JP and Celeste and I had a conversation about what was best for you and your well-being. And I realized I had the opportunity to leave Kansas City, where I had been for 17 years, and return here to take care of you in your home of 30 plus years. You said you lived here a while. You lived here a long time. (laughs) So I'd never lived here, but you've lived here a long time. Yeah, and I have to keep reminding myself of stuff because it'll be something that I would have in the other place. I would have thought thus and so about that. And now I'm looking at it like, how do I get from there to grocery store? Oh, I know. Because I just put myself back in my house in my head. Mm-hmm. And so once I did that, I thought, well, how'd you get groceries before, Ginger? And once you have that, you can go. Right. So even to the point where we had visitors here. Mm-hmm who at one point in time I could have introduced you to them and had the name correct right? for all three men. And this time I was like, okay, I see they're all here by something. But we, we invited three people, and there are three people here, therefore they, these are the people. And then I thought, yeah, but which one is such and such? Right. Clueless. Couldn't remember their names. Couldn't remember. I had their names. I didn't know which body to paste them on. Oh, okay. And then I finally said to myself, the heck with it. (laughs) Two of these people aren't real smart to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's not tell them that. (laughs) But I thought they were all pretty smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they held pretty good jobs. Um, but one of the persons just must have gotten dressed rather haphazardly um, because I thought, oh, who would come in and look like that? Uh-huh. Find something nice to put on. Yeah. But, of course, then I was introduced to that person, 
And when I was introduced, I thought, oh my gosh, that's why he didn't put his coat on. He doesn't do anything that other people do. <laughs> that's true. The individual you're talking about is his own character. Yep. Yeah. He is. And an artist. Oh, yeah. Easily. And, and is kind of poo-pooing any kind of fashion statement because that's not important to him. Right. And he's probably right. Yeah. That it's not actually important. Do you remember what he was doing? This person that maybe should remain nameless. <laughs> I was going to remind you of his name, and now I'm thinking, man, maybe we shouldn't be bad-mouthing or... Um, you know, Sorry, I... Ralston. You know who you are. <laughs> oh, you know, it was good to see him. I could see that he was doing well. Um which to me spoke of his ability to rest in God. He, he prays for a person and whatever's in there. And uh, I think he totally believes in, in a way that isn't like patting him on the back. It's, it's God putting this piece together because this person over here loves the God. Mm. And... So I thought, that's what I'm sticking to. <laughs> okay. Well, one of the things he said he's doing is reconnecting with people. That during the pandemic, he realized how important it was to connect with people in meaningful ways. And so he's been working on that. Good for him. Yeah. He is really, I mean, he doesn't, if people go by looks, they're never going to pick him up out of the street. You know, um, <laughs> but he he's going to do what he said he was going to do. Okay, fair. And 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 he will do it well. Mm-hmm. So you look past the rest because it doesn't matter, and um, and are just thrilled that he's there to do the right thing, mm-hmm. say the right things, mm-hmm. encouraging things. So. And he's a good listener. Yes. He wants to hear people speak from their heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So let's go back to the thing you said about God. Because you know that I'm a agnostic. Right? So, not sure if God exists or not. I don't have any proof either way. But you do. And that's cool so if other people are listening to this recording i'm just letting them know that that's a belief you have that i don't necessarily share but i support so what's your question i didn't have a question i was just laying it out there okay (laughs) all right (laughs) that i support you (laughs) in your belief structure and actually over the years you've supported me in my belief structure all the time also as I've modified my point of view and my I see what you're belief saying. statements, you've always been very supportive of me. Even if you didn't agree, mm-hmm. you were still supportive. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Good. We've always had open conversations, and I like that. Well, and that's it. You can't talk somebody into being something out here. And, and 
they have to be drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that to me, to me, the person being that does that and draws the person to themselves is God in whatever form he takes for that individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so for some people, it's all they need is to know that there is a, a being um, and that that being cares about you. The rest of it is the communication that goes on between these two. Mm. And so sometimes we get so taken up with us doing our stuff that we don't listen from the being, is this where I should head? Mm-hmm. Is this what I should do? Um, is this going to fit in with your plan? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting when you start doing that to see then after. And you can start a conversation with whoever, whoever your whoever is. Uh, what I heard somebody on TV today when we, when we were watching the finale in, in the tennis and and I thought these guys know that they are dependent on what happens here mm-hmm. and you can almost sense it coming out of the uh, TV that each one got there and the reason they're bouncing those balls is because they're talking to your their selves or they're talking to their being mm-hmm I'd love to talk to them sometime and find out how they what they're t- what they're thinking about what they're gearing themselves they're up for bouncing the ball getting ready for a serve that's a good question you'd be a, maybe you should be a sports uh reporter <laughs> could go do an interview with Novak Djokovic uh, that would be very um or Tsitsipas I I'm, I'm sure I'm not saying that right the <laughs> The young Greek who got beat today, but played extremely well. First, I would have to learn the game so oh. that I could actually make commentary on how good or bad the scenario was. Right. Well, they hit the ball back and forth until somebody says they got a point. <laughs> and then they had a points until somebody says they won. Right? Okay. Scoring in tennis was very difficult. Yeah, I can't. I can't. That's part of it for me. I can't. Yeah, the whole figure out how that points is all and working. games and sets and matches and how it all works. Yeah, that's definitely complex. I actually, in my first college year, took a class in tennis. Okay. And when I got done, was that at community college? It was at community college. GRJC. Not community. It wasn't community college. Then. No, it, it was wasn't junior community. college. Then. Junior college. Grand Rapids Junior College. Yep. And Ten. you took a tennis class. Uh huh. Okay. With only women. Okay. And before co-ed. I was so. I mean, to me, you picked up a thing and you waited for the ball to come and you tried hitting it. Uh-huh. Done. <laughs> no, there was a lot more to mm-hmm. know. And some of it had to do with how many points I now had. 
or how many points they had mm-hmm. against whatever little bit I had. Right. And which direction you're going to hit this ball that would profit you. I still haven't got that figured out. Okay. I, th- I found it a very difficult sport just from the head standpoint. What you had to know, and you had to know yeah. very quickly. My whole goal is hit it back and get it over the net. <laughs> well, that was a goal of mine, too, which <laughs> it really didn't. <laughs> do. Get it in bounds if you can, but <laughs> hit it back and over the net. That's, that's the big one. So, so if we did some interviewing with people, what kinds of people would you like to talk to? Are you going to stick with sports? No. Uh, For our conversations, if we're going to record and maybe even do a podcast, what kinds of topics would you like to have conversations about and bring in maybe some people who are very familiar with a particular topic? Yeah, who would be your uh, audience? Well, that is an extremely good question. I think, for me, my audience is anyone who has someone in their life who has dementia uh, or Alzheimer's specifically, which is a type of dementia. What's the, what are the differences? There's different kinds of dementia, like Parkinson's is another one other than Alzheimer's, and it affects the brain differently. Hmm. Well, then one of the things I'd like to see is an individual who actually has one of those. Okay. And another person who comes and tells us about this form. Okay. And then the third form, whatever that is. Sure. That would be interesting to me. That could be interesting, yeah. And so the audience for me would be people who have someone in their life who is dealing with dementia, maybe specifically Alzheimer's, and who is trying to find resources for how to do that effectively, how to be a good support to the person with dementia. Mm -hmm. Because I think in the conversations that I've had with my friends, mostly... Um, I've been surprised how many of my friends have said, oh, I dealt with uh, Alzheimer's with my grandma or my mom or someone like that that was close to them, and I had never heard about it, and I thought I knew the person pretty well. So I I feel like it doesn't get talked about a lot. And so uh, that was my idea with doing a podcast is that it would give the opportunity to make the conversation more accessible, more common for people to have. Because I think there's a lot of information out there that's not clear. um, And a lot of unknown stuff. So I would want professionals on the podcast who have information about Alzheimer's, dementia, um, aging, taking care of someone who is aging and has dementia, you know, those kinds of things. And I would think 
that they would they they could look at uh, how long does it take before somebody actually says you have dementia mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, some of that it would seem to me that both all all three of those that are mentioned there are have been around for a while. What what do we already know about those three from the past? Right. Yeah. Which things out of those were very helpful? Right. And which can you just drop because it's not functioning at all? Mm -hmm. It's not it's not helping us. Right. I know for myself that, and this is very trivial, nothing huge. I got up from reading a magazine, a story in it, went to the bathroom, came back to where I had been, had no idea where I should be mm. in the book. Okay. I hadn't parked something in there. I usually am very good about that because I won't remember. Like a bookmark? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, or rip a tissue, and if that's all you got, yep. stick it in there. Mm -hmm. So it's, and and I get down there, and I'm like, why am I not remembering, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Well, how long ago was it? Right now, the kids started asking me about uh, where we lived in such and such a time, and I. I'm like, well, let's see what would have happened during that time period. Um, and we'd work it out so that finally they would know that I was raised out in the country with a barn and, and wheat and all that stuff being taken care of. Also had cows. And the guy had, um, I don't know, 30-some cows. This is a neighbor? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right across the street from okay. us. And he would take those cows all the way out to where it was pasture. And there was a creek down there. So every once in a while, we got to go down to the creek and help the cows get out of there. Oh. Because they, they liked it. Mm -hmm. They liked being in this nice, cool spot. Sure. But it was time for them to come home. So... We had to get, we, we knew also from the kids, because the four of the kids belonged to the guy that owned all this. Mm -hmm. They were the farmer's kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they knew more than the rest of us knew. And he would, he would take the head of the cow and get it about this size. We're going home, whether you like it or not. You just look it right in the face and tell it where, what's happening, huh? Okay. <laughs> would always crack up uh -huh. like the cow is just looking there like totally befuddled over why why are you yelling at me and, and why finally, do you want to take me out of the cool stream exactly yeah. well yeah we didn't like them to do that because it was all of a sudden there'd be a drop off oh okay so we had we we knew where the safe spots were and so we would help get them into the safe places Huh. And then we would have to stay, at least one of us, to make sure he didn't move. Yep. 
<laughs> so anyway. So I had never heard that story before. I'm sorry. Oh, that's yeah. okay. That's okay. You've told a lot of stories over well. the years, and I've heard a lot about your childhood and your young adulthood, and obviously after you had me, I know a lot of those stories. Um, but I had not heard the one about helping the cows out of the creek before. Oh, well, you did a lot with that far farmer. When he got his baling done, uh -huh. um, and then he'd bring them up to the barn, and there yep. was a special place to put them. Now, I did hear a baling story, because Susan, your sister, was involved in one. Oh, yes, and, that's and true. Tom, your brother, was involved in that one also, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were on a baling wagon, and somebody and those fell. And those things go up, you know, higher and higher. And then they know that if they just stay in the front and keep miking it go higher, if they hit even a little ditch, Somebody's going to fall, and yeah. it's going to fall from up there. Uh, from up on top of the whole... Yeah, and so uh, what we would do is we'd get out there. Trailer. Move them so they're next to each other and and safer. Mm -hmm. So it was more spread out. Okay. And the doctor, the farmer really didn't have time for all that, so we had to do that while he was riding. He says, no, if you're going to ride with me, just get on. I'm going. <laughs> he okay. was he was from the Netherlands, uh -huh. and um, so very broken uh, language. Oh, it's English. Okay. Yep. His kids, of course, knew English like crazy. Okay. But um, and, and his wife did not. She was worse than he, as far as knowing. Oh, they spoke Dutch most of the time. Yeah, okay. to each other, especially. Uh -huh. So anyway, you would walk into the barn, and there'd be this side full of straw bales. On this side was a big line of um, little motor things that he would hook on the cow that would pull out the milk. Okay, pump, yep, pump the pumps. Mm -hmm. And then he'd pour pour one, like they, they, they're about yay big around and about this tall. And then he would pour that into something larger, mm -hmm. get the top on, get the next one, continuing to do that. It's kind of like a size of a pail. No. No, they were not that big. They were about this big around. Big milk jugs? But they were about this tall. Mm -hmm. So it made it easier for them to get it to a sanitary place. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. So... So yeah. when all of that was occurring, was that when you lived on Port Sheldon? Oh, yeah. Okay. So recently, over the past several weeks, you have talked about things that happened when you lived on Port Sheldon. It's like it's a very clear set of memories for yeah. you. Yeah. And so how old would you have been at the time with helping the cows? Well, when we moved to Port Sheldon... I think I just finished kindergarten, I think, and I took kindergarten when I was only four. Right. Okay, that's right. You went early. So it was then, and, and I was surrounded with the family across the street had older kids, but I wasn't that old. So he went on the bus. Okay. His brothers, his he had a brother that did the same thing. And the, these guys 
one of these guys was my brother's age, and he wanted to be at that school just okay. because his buddy was here. Yeah. And try and convince him that he needed to go to Bursley, which was right here, about six houses from the Port Sheldon house. Okay. Yep. So you started at Bursley in what grade? I would say, let me think this through, because my mother took me to the Christian school. This is when we were in Grand Rapids proper. When you lived on Quimby. On Quimby. Mm -hmm. And she wanted me to go to Christian school. Right. And so... Um, that was your kindergarten year, right? That was my kindergarten year. <clears throat> okay, when you were four. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I they weren't going to let you in. I wet my pants. Oh, wow. During that year. That's probably why they didn't want you so young. They knew I was... Maybe not ready. Not quite ready. But your mom said you were ready. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that part of that was because she already had a child that she was taking care of. Teach. Yeah. yeah. And she your knew brother, he couldn't go to school because brother, he was Tom. simply not old enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So... And so, did you go to that school for more than kindergarten? Were you there also for first grade? No. Okay. No. So, by first grade, you had moved out to Hudsonville on Port Sheldon and went to Bursley. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. So, then when, how old, what grade were you in when you moved away from Port Sheldon? Because your next house was one that you only had for a year, right? While your dad was building the other house. Seems like maybe you were a junior in high school when you left Port Sheldon. That's probably true. Um... Because what was the house, the street that you were on for just a year while you were waiting for the Fillmore Street House to be finished. Huh, I, I hadn't thought of that. I have it written down. I think it's a uh, house in Hudsonville. Yeah, it was in downtown, I thought. Well, there and is... And it was, wasn't it a funeral par parlor or something previous to being a house? Say that again? Was it a funeral parlor before it was a house? seems like that's what your sister was saying. She might have known that. Yeah. So that... Oh, Van Buren was the street. I wasn't there then. Van Buren Street? I don't think so. I think that was your senior year. And we were already getting ready for... Fillmore. Fillmore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's probably why it's a mix-up in my head, too. Okay. And, and in addition to all that, you're trying to, you know, get your gown, get your this and that, and all the stuff you do when you're going to graduate. Right. So. Yeah. So I don't recall a lot of that. So. Okay. So it seems like what, I, what the point was that I started on, you've, over the past few weeks, talked a lot about your memories at Port Sheldon. So it would have been mostly the things you're remembering the clearest 
seem to be from first grade to about 11th grade. You remember a lot of those things very clearly, and you talk about it a lot. First grade, when I finally took it, I I want to say I'm, I was still a, a year behind. No, a year ahead. Okay. Sorry. I wonder how I did that. Because you started early. You started at age four. Right, but I'm right. Yeah, that's true. And I must have been able to do that. Because there was a Christian school in that Jonathan area. But I think... That was when... I think I stayed in Grand Rapids for that. Okay. The story that your sister told was that that was about the time that your dad was shifting his uh, church affiliation. And so the Christian school had been affiliated with the previous denomination that he was no longer going to be a part of. And that's when he put you in the public school at Bursley. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. And I thought that was fine because by that time I was... Seventh grade, maybe sixth, seventh grade. Oh, well, that seems much later. So there's a gap in there between kindergarten and seventh grade, perhaps. Okay. We had two rooms. Right. A two-room schoolhouse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Old-fashioned. Very. Now Hudsonville's got a big high school. And a lot of that, some of that happened while I was attending. Yeah, it was growing. While you were there. It was growing. um, The bus was becoming more lenient. So there were days like this, which were wonderful. And and it's all farmland. We're picking up kids all over the place Mm -hmm. that are on farmland. And so we saw this one spot and knew the area well enough to be able to say to our bus driver, we want to walk the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And he let us. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which he never should have done. I mean, that just wasn't done. Nobody thought anything of it, even including the principal. Okay. <laughs> Nowadays, you would. Yeah. You made it up. home, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And here you are. You survived. I survived. The bus driver dropping you off a long walk from home. It was a. It was probably a good mile. Okay. Where we got dropped off, it was close to the city, gotcha. city limits. But then what he had to do is, he was coming along almost parallel with Chicago Drive, and here's Hudsonville, so he goes down like this, maybe uh, two blocks or so, and here, and then straight down, and right here, was a cluster of. You know, those big, big, tall things that have, they have the fruit of all the stuff they've raised is in this tall thing. Cause they oh, a, the silo. they got to have a, a way a to... A grain silo. Right, mm-hmm. right. And they had to have a way to get the stuff from to the people. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was cool 
looking at all that stuff and watching it grow. Mm-hmm. And the people driving up with their truck and not being able to figure out a way to put them all in there the way they wanted. And, and so we'd sit there and listen for a little while. And then mm. we'd be late when we got to school. <laughs> but we had Jim first hour, so what's the big deal? <laughs> <clears throat> well, and then you went and married a guy who taught phys ed. Yeah. Yeah. Not while I was in that first no, school. No, no, much later. But it's interesting, though, that you weren't all that excited about phys ed. Oh. As a kid, but yeah. then you married somebody who was all about phys ed. Yeah, but he didn't expect me to be. Okay, gotcha. I, I, You're right. He, he did not ask you to go out running with him or anything. Uh, no. 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 Right. He liked the fact that I was cooking. So that was... <laughs> uh, that's probably true. Yeah, he had a he had a good appetite. <laughs> and that was who? Your husband, Jerry. Okay. Do you remember him? Oh gosh, yes. Okay. Remember his middle name? Mm-mm. I don't think he used it real often. He didn't. But I think when you were upset at him, you, as I recall, as a child, you would use his first and middle name. <laughs> Jerry Eugene. Oh, yes. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> yes. I believe his mother did the same thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. I think Sylvia called him Jerry Eugene on <laughs> several occasions. <laughs> Arnie would be the one that would be the soft touch. Yes, Arnie was the Grandpa Arnie. Jerry's dad was definitely the soft touch of Sylvia and Arnie. I would say over the years, um, both Jerry and I came closer together. Probably because the things that attracted us in the first place, we now had more personal stability. Mm-hmm. And so and so I guess I guess that one of the things I saw in him was that he could handle death. Mm. And I had to be the one who would say, you know, I love you. And then I said also, say hi to Jesus when you see him. Right. There at the end. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. he dealt with a lot of health issues. He later. literally had throat to the point that when he opened his mouth, he could only make certain noises. Right. I, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. At the very end. Yeah. Because he had been a very talkative man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was quiet about himself, but he liked a good conversation. Yep. Uh, but yeah, in the last several months, certainly, he couldn't say much. Correct. Yeah, his body had rebelled, lost his voice, lost his ability to find words after a stroke. 
and then just was very weak from the well, cancer. Well, I was going to say, that was all squeezed into, I want to say, like a six months, and that was it. Yeah, at that very end part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he went without tears, or it was just like, I'll be, I think it was more in his head that he would be released from all this pain right. and inability to do things. I think I think we had all gotten to that point mm-hmm. where we were all feeling like it will be a relief when he doesn't have to suffer anymore. Right. Yep. yep. And even his oncologist, the cancer doctor, was like, Jerry, you don't have to fight this again. You've fought it twice already. Yeah. So, yeah. But I miss him, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, we've been having a conversation for almost an hour, 45 minutes, I guess, not almost an hour. It's close. And that's a very long recording. So mm-hmm. I think I'll stop there for today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Session one. Session one. Recording one. Because we can make more of these, right? No, yeah. Okay. You're good with that? Sure. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Well, so until we record again. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with Alzheimer's. Please visit the Living with Alzheimer's website at lwalz.com where you can subscribe to the show and find all the resources we discuss in podcast episodes. We'll see you next time on the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Ginger. Find something nice to put on.